welcome to Impactful Open Source, the podcast where we talk about starting with source code and ending with societal change. How do you go from your first line of code to making a real impact on cities, universities, academia, the world at large? Today, I should also say bonjour, ça va, bienvenue, Impactful Open Source. But unfortunately, my French is really bad, so I'm not going to do that. But the guest on this show, Philippe Barret, which I probably just totally mangled again, lives in Paris, works for the city of Paris, and could probably introduce this in French a whole lot easier. Philippe, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. And you just did great on pronouncing my name. Oh, merci. Merci. <laughs> just say. So, Philippe, you work at the city of Paris. What do you do there? I'm a technical project manager at the city of Paris, as you said. I'm in charge of many projects that serve the public service and the citizens here at the city of Paris. So Paris is a pretty large city. How big is it? Let's say about 2 million. Okay, 2 million people. That's massive. So you're part of a team that helps figure out the services. How large is that department? What do you do exactly? Here in the IT department, we're about, let's say, five to 600 internally, but which is huge. And yeah. maybe most of the companies are just about our size. But you need to consider that there's a lot of IT people in charge of maintaining the infrastructure. And there's a very small team made out of, let's say, 15 people that really develop the digital services. Of course, it's not all developed internally. This is just the internal team. There are also a few integrators we work with that help us develop what's needed. So, of course, you don't do all the work internally, right? This is about open source. So can you tell me a bit about the Lutes project and how that started? Okay, Lutes. By the way, do you know what Lutes means? I think it's the name for the former city of Paris. Am there I right? You go. Yes, it is. Well done. Yes, internally at the city, we have developed internally this framework. It's a development framework, which is called Lutes, but you can pronounce it Lutes, I don't mm -hmm. mind. And the development started in 2002 when the mayor at that time asked us and wanted us to deliver an easy way to administrate all the 20 districts of Paris websites by non-tech people, hmm. just as a CMS, actually. So this is how we came out with Lutes, very first version in 2002, just for that matter. As new needs kept coming, the IT department shortly adapted the architecture to make it as modular as possible, considering the CMS feature as yet another plugin. It's a city services engine that provides a modular platform based on lightweight core features and on which you can add plugins just to meet the needs and just as a kid would play with Lego bricks. Yep. What else to be said? Yeah, very important matter is that in 2003, the Council of Paris voted that public money should pay for public code. So this is how Lutes was put out there on the internet as a free and open source software. So there was actually a legislative change which says that because this is publicly funded, we need to license it publicly so people can use it. Exactly. And it went through the Council of Paris as was voted for. That's incredible. That's really cool. Was there any precedent for that at the, at the time? Because that doesn't seem very usual for me, right? I'm not aware of 
yeah. any precedent for that. That's really cool. So you open sourced it and then does that mean open source the entire CMS or just the individual modules or? Everything. Um, the CMS is, as I said, a, a plugin and yep. you can find it on GitHub as well as the core. You can just simply get the core, install it, run it and see how the lightweight core features, what they, what they deliver. You can do authentication, you can do role management, RPEC management, this type of stuff that we so, don't have to redevelop again and again. That's awesome. That makes a lot, a lot of sense. What does this do? So I live in a very small city. I also live in the capital city, Montpelier, but it's the smallest of all those 50 states, right? There's 7,000 people here. So I get almost no help from my city on anything digital. Like maybe occasionally I'll look up who my rep is, I guess. <laughs> but like, what does Lutes actually enable for the citizens? For the citizens, it provides digital services. What I can tell you about is uh, just a few of them. We have more than 200 plugins available. And when I was talking about features, we do run more than 200 city services here and have more than 400 plugins available on shelf. One of the main are is uh, the participatory budget. As, mm. uh, as you may have heard, when Mayor Hidalgo was first elected five years ago, she wanted to deliver a participatory budgeting solution. That means she gives 5% of the budget of the city, of the annual budget of the city, for the citizens to propose, vote for, and then run projects. As you may know, we have 20 districts here at the city. So let's say you're missing a boxing ring because you consider boxing should be more available here at the city. And you want an arena or a practice frame for that sport. Then you can propose this idea. And with no other idea of how much, when, how to, you can just propose that idea on that platform. And once the contribution part is over, then all the concerned or the districts that can be implicated in that project need to work on it, evaluate which district will have to work on it, how much it will cost, how many people would be needed to implement it. And then the voting phases starts. Citizens are welcome. And this is a very important and interesting fact is that everything is not digital. Because as you may know, there are many people that don't access the internet or don't know how to use the uh, digital tool. So during these phases, civil servants are here to welcome people, aware people that, have you heard of the participatory budgeting solution and that you may vote for citizens projects? No, you haven't. Please come in and just learn about them and you can vote here. Do you want to vote now? So this is how we try to include as much people as possible. And there's a voting phases that last, let's say, four months. And there are winners. There are projects that have been elected. And the winner is pretty sure to be implemented. And then the more you go, second, third, fourth, as long as they don't go over the 100 million per year that is for the people to use, then we kept on coming and going. 
So some years it can be like 10 projects, some others it can be 25, some others it can be a lot more. They're elected and then they are engaged and they are delivered. So of course, it's not the same amount of time to deliver boxing ring or to put flowers on the walkway in a neighborhood, but their people, citizens, can then go to a website, to the participatory budgeting website, to see how the projects go and what phases is currently running. So they first submit ideas, they then vote for them, and then they just consult how it goes. So you have a platform that was mandated to be open source, which now delivers a ton of different modules. One of them is participatory budgeting, which allows you to basically have people directly vote on where the budget goes. I mean, the, yes. the whole budget of the city is already run by the people because it's a democracy, right? So in some sense, they're all budgeting. But this is like a direct vote online through this open source platform. And I think you mentioned that $100 million a year goes through just this platform? And that's even more. It's 100 million euros. <laughs> 100 million euros. Yeah, right. Sorry. Wow. Okay, so that's a lot. 5% of the annual budget. Of the annual budget of the city of Paris. Yes. Um, you said participatory budgeting was a, a module. It's actually made out of many modules. Okay. Actually, we need to always consider that we are a public administration. Talking about 5%, which is 100 million euros, is huge. But you have to consider that us, to run these projects, we have less and less budget to implement those projects. So we're in a context where we lack people and we lack money. So every time we're trying to do something, we're trying to either make it reusable or make sure the maintenance won't cost too much. Yeah. So... How do you do that? Do you collaborate with other cities, with other people on this platform? We have, when we started UTES, many major actors were very interested. One of them was the French Weather Forecast website, which was at that time the most visited French website in France. So that was the weather forecast and they helped a lot. They contributed in, just as an example, would be load management which was not perfect, let's face it, let's say it. And thanks to those guys, we benefited from their help to do this. So we've improved a lot at that time for this. But then the notaries was also a very big site that started using Lutes and contributed to Lutes. But then, you know, projects and users come and go. So the community has always been growing and decreasing. And then I think the city of Paris had to manage this community. And this is maybe something we haven't done continuously. And that's how we've gained people, we've lost people in our community. But if we talk about cities, Marseille, which is the second city of France, was also a Lutes user and shortly will be. Yeah. Yeah. Third uh, city of France is also a Lutes user. And same thing, they've decided to implement all their new digital services on Lutes. So this means a lot. And this means that what they're doing, if it 
and it shouldn't be already done, will be committed upstream to the platform and be available for others to use. Super cool. How does the governance work? Who decides what PRs get merged? We still do here internally, but let's face it, it's a huge amount of work in times we be before accepting a PR. We try to have norms and ways to develop. And sometimes the idea was awesome. We didn't have the feature and don't say it, but we redeveloped it in order to make the offer grow. Yep. It happened. Yes. But then, yeah, about collaboration, it's not all. We've also contributed with foreign cities. And today is the 29th. In a couple of days, Budapest will be opening its new participatory budgeting the day after tomorrow. It's opening. So yeah, they're launching this and we've helped them a lot to go through this. And I'm sure they, they'll do great with it. So Budapest is adopting Lutes internally as well in order to do this? Yes. And since they benefited from the whole solution, they are very willing to commit upstream and to help or to collaborate anyhow because they feel like they owe us in, well, they don't, but there is a contribution between us and this is very interesting. So they don't have to pay a license fee to use the software. It's just totally open source. And then they're actually internally, the team you're working with there is trying to commit back as much as they can to make sure that it's all collaborative. This is it. Yes. Yeah. The license fee is zero. <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> Budapest is in Hungary. Do you have Hungarian docs? I mean, what language is it written in? It's all written in English, but they've also already helped us in translating the solution because we're always trying to, to spread the word of open source by having developers contribute to such a project. But sometimes just the language is great and internationalizing a solution can help a lot to spread it around. Having a new supported language such as Hungarian is very helpful to enlarge the community. But then, no, all the, the documentation is written in English and French. But once again, if they can contribute by translating the docs in, in Hungarian, why not? Sure. <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> Are you working with any cities in English-speaking countries? Directly, not that I know of, because since it's available out there, if we're not directly contacted, then we don't. We cannot keep track of all the users, but we're currently working with the Johns Hopkins University based in Baltimore, which contacted us because they are working to deliver a website for the St. Francis community, which helps people to... The services for people in the city of Baltimore, particularly in some hard hit areas where they're trying to provide IT services for that community. That's, yeah, that's exactly it. And so... They are taking over the test, trying to see if it can be supported in English as well, because we have many differences. It's not only a matter of language, it's also a matter of culture. We don't display the dates the same way. We don't display names the same way. I mean, there are so many differences and slightly differences that we haven't faced here in France, and we always know the same context. But they're also contributing to the projects to make it more internationalized. So 
you've had a lot of time on this platform. It's been around for 20 years now, basically. What are some major success stories? Is there anything that you can like go outside and you can see like this was built because of Lutetz? It's just a platform. I mean, it's an IT digital services platform. So the great ideas come from the citizens. Mm. Uh, they come from the people. So yes, we, we can tell by that there's a project called Paris Go Green and where people can put flowers on the walkways or, or on the sideways. People in Paris have been given funds to help them make the city more of a green spot in general and to, you know, actually garden and have access to public funds in order to sustain that sort of work. Exactly. And then there are also other platforms where uh, they can try to fight against trash. They can use another solution called stands for In My Streets. And it's like a 311 type of application. There are apps on your phones that you can download and use to take a photo of a non-emergency or it's not an emergency incident where trash has been poured somewhere or where a graffiti was done on, on the mice wall, this type of matter, where people can just declare those incidents and then the whole workflow directly addresses this incident to the concerned team which will then work on the problem and say, okay, problem solved. And then the citizen is notified back saying, okay, thank you for your contribution. We've helped making Paris cleaner, thanks to you. So this is also something pretty cool when you walk down the streets of Paris saying, okay, this is yet another problem where someone just dumped the trash. Okay, instead of not doing anything, Instead of having to pick it up by ourselves, we can just take a photo, send it to the correct team, and then it will be taken care of. Amazing. Super cool. So one of the things I'm curious about is that this is now part of the bureaucracy of the city. And so in the sense that this is part of the government, you know, you have a large amount of the budget going through there. And your mayor is really fascinating because she's done a lot of good work in this direction. She kind of espouses the best of... French ideals, right? Which is, let's go green, let's shut down uh, streets and make them pedestrian streets again. That was a big move of hers. Public money for public code is an awesome thing. That's not necessarily her, but definitely part of like the Parisian climate for doing good for the people who actually live there. How do you keep the project from running into bureaucratic roadblocks? How do you... uh, enable the coders, because I assume there are actually coders who you're working with internally who are working on this project. How do you get them to set their roadmaps and align with the bureaucrats' roadmap for what needs to go on? That sounds like it would be really difficult. It is difficult. But, you know, working here at the city of Paris, we need to implement the projects that the elected officials were elected for. So these will always be our prior projects, which is even more difficult is uh, to release these projects in the amount of time they gave us. Yeah. Because uh, when they announce something, then it has to be done for tomorrow, uh, really, uh, literally. So sometimes when, that's an example, but when Notre Dame Church burns down, we had to work during the weekend to open a, a website to allow people to contributions and to help finance 
the rebuild of the church. So the news makes us in a hurry all the time. The elected officials' engagement makes us in a hurry all the time. So maintaining such a platform as Lutes can be difficult at times. This is why we're working with contractors and private companies to help us, whether maintaining some projects or developing some features of the projects. As I said, it's a platform, so there's a core. The core cannot remain still. It has to evolve. We try to make it evolve and allow more features and also follow the technology to make it secure, to make it GDPR compliant, to make it attractive and not to fall down and be forgotten because it couldn't move with the world. Mm. So this is something we have this to work for. And this is also a maintenance we have to do because otherwise the community won't agree with that. It sounds like it's tough. But it sounds it like tough. you're working on it. <laughs> so, you said you had like 15 people in your immediate project working on this, but then 500 work for just the general IT for the city, right? Yes, that's then, exactly. General IT for maintenance, for computers, for yeah. phones, for support, for anything. But then it's a very shorter team to develop and to deliver digital services. And... How many developers do you have working on Lutes full-time that are paid by the city of Paris? That's the 15. Just, just 15? All right. Yes. Wow. Super cool. And how many contributors have you had on the program in general? It's on GitHub, right? It's on GitHub. Lutes Core has had 29 contributors in general. So well, mainly... Well, core. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just the core, though. So that's, there's something like 393 different repositories. So the amount of people who are actually doing stuff varies but in the core itself there's a small group that's working really hard looks like it's written in java and what's really great about this platform as opposed to a lot of other platforms is that it has a permanent funding supply in the sense that they're doing work and continuing so you can actually pay the main maintainers yes Um, have you ever hired anyone who has just contributed to the project to keep working on the project because they've just done a good job even if they're not necessarily in paris not that i know of but I'm pretty sure this would definitely help because we're trying to find talents, yep. motivated people that are not only motivated in or because they're sent here by contributors, by contractor companies, but some people which are very invested in the in public service. I used to be a consultant, sent to banks, insurances, media and communications and telecommunications. Boy, I cannot tell you how meeting these team, they're devoted and seeing how open source can be a trigger, something we can use for the good, for a public service, for helping people to apply for a social housing or not to make money of. Mm. That's what I'm trying to, to say is that we know what we do is not to be sold it's for public good. So this is also something that we need to find devoted and dedicated people that want to contribute, but for the good. Because as you say, and as you know, open source is transparency. It means trust. 
And where do we need trust above all? I mean, the administration is the first link between the people and any type of government. So the people, the citizens need to trust their administrations. So by delivering digital services that anyone can just look at the code and make sure there's no bias, it was the right choice also uh, financially. So I think it's a, a good way to manage the public money. Public funds, public code, public trust. Super great. Thank you so much for sharing. That was really, it's actually particularly inspiring. I wish that most cities would do this and especially participatory. Such a hard word to say, especially <laughs> participatory. <laughs> it's very hard. So we just went off the record briefly to talk about some other cool stuff. And I wish I could share it with you. But the, the basics is there are companies and cities out there that are using proprietary software. And there are teams of consultants that go out and install the software for cities at a cost. So each city has to spend it. I believe the amount of municipal budgeting in the U.S. is $1.7 trillion per year. And so if you think of every city spending 5% of their budget on IT services that could then be open source, that's a huge savings of, you know, what, 500 million or something? I'm really bad at back of the napkin math, but a lot of money. And the test is really interesting because it's free. And so we just wanted to hammer that, that home that we're trying to get away from cities buying the same thing over and over again. It doesn't have to be just in France. And I wish I could have had Philippe say all that. And I wish we could have had it all on the record, but that's how it is. For now though, Philippe, thank you so much for sharing about Lutest. Thank you so much for sharing about- No, thank you. How for it's, no, it's, it's just, it's mind boggling to me that this exists, which is just super awesome. Where can people get involved? Where can people learn more about Lutest? So we have a, a website telling you more about what Lutest does and how to contribute. We've just launched it a couple months ago. So it's very new. There's a contact form that you can use to either share, get a first contact with us. And we are used to showcasing Lutest. There is a demo site where you can access the back office and with a few features that you can play around with. There's a MOOC. There's, this is also something very new. We've tried to help people because we've been to conventions or summits talking about Lutes and <laughs> we hadn't noticed that there was no stable website. It was just technical documentation. And most of the time people were like, I'm contacting you because where do you have the product info? And we're like, okay, we've never thought of it because we're not selling it. We're not good at this. It's not our jobs. We can do technical documentations. We can help people contribute. And, but we cannot, and we are not used to selling it, selling the solution. So we had to work on that website as well as setting up that MOOC, which is in English to make it more accessible. But yes. The website is Lutes. L-U-T-E-C-E dot Paris dot F-R slash Lutes. Where can people find more about you? I know that you're a photographer for rock bands, for instance. Can, is your photography out there? Is it public? How do you know that? <laughs> uh, little bird. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, this is something that I love doing. I love rock music as well as <laughs> any type of uh, rock music that goes to, from, let's say, progressive to... 
the most extreme metal and I most also fond of photography. So I've started it in 2012, being a contributor to web magazine and sometimes selling a photo or two to magazines or... Where can I see that? I want to see it. Where can... <laughs> Do you have a website? I don't have a personal website so far because I've never had the, the ambition to grow any bigger. But all my best photos are on uh, Flickr. Flickr. What's, what's your name on Flickr? P. Barrey. Uh, awesome. Thank you. I just, I wanted to make sure I referenced that because I think that is super badass. That is the coolest thing ever. So you can find everything I've done, all the concerts that I've covered, and also I have the chance to meet uh, with the artists for promo. So I sometimes try to get a portrait in these type of photographs. So definitely go check that out. If you're into rock music, <laughs> if you're into participatory budgeting, go check out Lutez. And for now, merci uh, for the discussion or something. And uh, merci beaucoup, Richard. Merci. <laughs> catch you later. Bye. Bye bye.